0: Embrace the Invitation of Childlike Faith. Hello and welcome to the God's Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm joined once again by my co-host from Palmerston, North New Zealand, from King's Grace Presbyterian Church, Rideau, the Reverend Ian Reed. And today's guest on the show is here to talk about embracing a childlike faith. She's Lacey Finn Borgo, the author of a new book from IVP Intervasty Press America called Faith Like a Child embracing our lives as children of God. Lacey is the author of a number of books. She teaches and provides spiritual direction for the Renovar Institute and the Companioning Center. She especially loves meeting with children at Haven House, a transitional facility for families without homes. I love the sound of Haven House. Sounds good. Lacey holds a Doctor of Ministry in Leadership and Spiritual Formation and a certificate in Spiritual Direction from Portland uh, Portland Seminary. Lacey, hello, welcome to the show.
1: Mm, so good to be with you today.
0: Yes, yeah, so thank we you for we ne- inviting me. That's a pleasure. We nearly didn't meet because of time zones.
1: Yeah, <laughs> You terrible.
0: said to me you've been going through four time zones in the last few days. Mm. You've been traveling around mm. the US.
1: Mm, I, ha- I have been. Um, I've, I was on, on the East Coast in Boston a little bit earlier this week. Um, right now I'm actually in Pacific time zone. I'm in Oregon. So just, you know. Moving and and not not work wise, just um, going and visiting family and friends, and it's just lovely. <laughs> yes,
0: we're reminded that the US is a vast country. Rita, you have different time zones in Australia, don't you? I think.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure how many there are because um, they're kind of the eastern states are on their own, but they they're kind of all kind of weird. And yeah, I think there's a four there's a four there's a four hour difference between yeah. kind of one and the other, and yeah, it kind of works yes. out weirdly.
0: Mm-hmm. yes I, fa- I found that out when i was trying to do an interview with a lady who um i thought was Sydney Sydney. <laughs> she turned out to be somewhere else like canberra or somewhere, and um, causing all sorts of problems anyway we're here to talk about childlike faith and reconnecting with with our, ch- our childhood it's a delightful subject lacy
1: mm-hmm. now um
0: what do our children actually know about god
1: it might be easier to answer um what what don't children know about God? Um, children, and also to at, talk a little bit about the word know, what do we mean by know? So as an adult, we, we, we think of knowledge as kind of reason and articulation, but there is a knowing that's in our bones, um, a knowing we come kind of pre-wired with. That's the kind of know that children have um, about God. and uh, And they know that, in their bones that God is for them. They they and they kind of know in their bones that they that there is a, a place, a spiritual connected place that's that they already have. Um, they know in their bones that connection and compassion is home for them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Jesus had quite a bit to say about children, didn't he? And, and- uh, what, did he, what, did, what did Jesus have to say
1: about children? Well, uh, he he said, he first he holds children near to him. So in, in the two different stories that we have, a few different tellings of those two stories, he pulls the child near to him. And he's really talking to the adults. Um, who are struggling a bit with power and their own ego needs, bless them, um, we all have those. And he's, he's really bringing a child to say, you know, become like this, be like this, my way is in tune with their way. And um, it totally blows their mind was not what they were looking for not what they expected so you know um, culturally it was outside of their realm of understanding so- sociologically they were like oh you know crap and uh and, G- <laughs> and jesus was like yes and le- let me teach you let me expand your understanding
0: Children weren't valued very highly, I think, in the Roman world, were they? Am I right, Rita, in saying that? I mean, they were easily dispensed with, literally, on the rubbish tips if they weren't wanted.
2: Yeah, and I think it kind of depended on what families you were born into. But, you know, often the case, it, it, it was that. if Unwanted children, you know, there's that famous uh, letter from the, from the Roman Schultz soldier. I can't remember his name, but um, kind of writing to his wife. He's in, in Egypt. You know, if, if it's a boy, keep it. If it's a girl, put it on the rubbish tip, you know, kind of awful, awful kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: And and the early Christians were, you know, uh, well known for taking these orphan children off these rubbish piles. And, you know, part of the propaganda campaign against them was that in the breaking of the bread and the wine, you know, the propaganda was they were eating the children of which they were not, but this was a way to get some persecution, you know, and, and, politicized against them, but they were taking these children. So kind of the Roman way and the Jewish way of thinking about children was at odds. And Jesus is taking both ways and expanding them.
0: Mm. I, I love the phrase you you call children mini mystics in your book. I just <laughs> I just love that. I thought I thought that's fair. I've got to ask you why do you call children mini mini mystics?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, there's a there's a lot of reasons. Um, one one of my favorite definitions of a mystic is a person who hears from God and answers. So that that's a that children inevitably answer what they sense from God, not always verbally or in a way that is that we would call articulation. But the answer is there. It's a it's the communication for connection, and then the response to it. And so I think that they they also welcome mystery. You know, we chafe against mystery. We are we are very attached to our certainty. They're not. So um, they I think they just have a natural um, bent towards mysticism. And um, and well, they're I like alliteration.
0: Yes, uh, nice no, and fabulous. Many mystics. Rita, I'm, I'm going to bring you in in a minute too because you've got five boys. You should be doing this interview. <laughs> You know all about this. Uh, can I ask you, though, Lacey, before we, we bring Rita, in, in what sense are we all children of God? In what sense are we children of God?
1: Well, you know, that's a great question that, um, that my first inkling about that was in John 21. It's so the last chapter of John. And, you know, the disciples have been just through so much. They have been through so much. And this is getting near the Ascension. All this stuff is happening. Jesus is making, you know, breakfast for them on the shore. And he calls out to them over the water and he calls them children. It's almost, it's a bit crazy and disturbing. Like, well, why did he call them children? They've been through all these adult, very adult things. And I think that we are all children of God. Um, first of all, Carl Rahner reminds us that we bring our childhood selves. We We don't switch developmental levels like setting one aside. We bring them with us. But I think also Jesus is reminding us we are always children in the bosom of God. Mm.
0: Yeah, and you write in the book, and we'll come on to explore ways we can reconnect with our childlike faith. I mean, you talk about uh, a sense of play, using our bodies and spiritual formation, different sorts of prayer, creativity, um, Humour and so forth. I, I want to ask you about all this, so we better move on. But before we do, Rido, five five boys. What your your input on this, please?
2: <laughs> well, I can if you want one, Brent. I can know yeah, kind of. We've got a teenager who kind of would have would happily spend some time away from home for a little bit. If, oh, okay. if you can. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of uh, <laughs> no, I, no, of course. I don't. make
0: no comment, brother. No. <laughs>
2: no uh, <laughs> No, but I think, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I think that it's more of a comment than a question, but when people grow into adulthood and lose that sense of wonder, particularly lose a belief in God, you know, when you, when you stop believing in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, it's not really people are kind of happy that, for that to happen at, at some time. But when they grow into, oh, I don't think I can believe in God anymore, it's very traumatic for people and, beco- and becomes uh, very difficult. And so the comedian Jimmy Carr yeah, he was. I think he was training for the Catholic priesthood. Um, he was um, kind of doing theology, and then kind of became an atheist. And he's had to go through trauma counselling, you know, kind of for quite some time around that. It's just an. In- I think it's an interesting fact that this is what we're created for. You know, kind of a relationship with God, and that kids just get a sense of that somehow. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think. It- I wonder too, does it boil down and let's kind of differentiate for children. It's less about information. It's more about encounter, like what they, who they have encountered. They may not have information or articulation about, but it, it, there is a ripping in our soul to leave someone we have encountered and found home in and, but we can intellectually walk away from things.
0: Okay. Uh, Thank you for that. How do we engage then, Alaysia, or or re-engage with our inner child and recover some of this childlike faith?
1: Well, I think there are many, many, many ways. I mean, probably more than we can name. Um, One is we can look back in our lives and think about those first experiences of goodness, beauty, truth, wonder. And by truth, I mean what indeed was real. So what felt real to us I've heard children tell me stories about, and adults, about what felt real to them was maybe a grandmother who held center when maybe there was a divorce and everything else was melting down. And that grandmother was there the way that they encountered God. So just going back and just noticing some of those places, that's one way. Another is to, if you have children in your life, to let them teach you. So to humble ourselves And let the little child lead us. That can be some ways. Uh, Hanging around some people who are childlike, some adults who are childlike. And, and, you know, and there's a difference between childlike and childish, right? We all know the childish person that you're like, oh, for the love of all that's only, (laughs) you know, give us a break. (laughs) But a a childish person, a, a childlike person, we are drawn to. You know, Jesus was childlike. He had um, some of that believing the best about people. That's a very childlike characteristic. Um, looking for the fun in things, the little playfulness, that is very childlike. Yeah. So, so I think there's there's in many, many ways. Is there something that you love to do when you were young that you no longer do? Did you swim? Did you surf? Did you horseback ride? Did you wander in the woods? What did you do when you were young? Go do
0: mm. it again. Go mm. do it again. Yes. I have a friend who has kept his inner child. He's absolutely wonderful. And uh, it comes out from, he just lets it out from time to time. And we have great fun with it. What to ask you next, really. Um, How can we all reconnect with our sense of wonder and mystery?
1: I remember mm. when we
0: were young, I don't know about you, Rito, but there was a sense of wonder about the world, I think.
1: Mm. Well, can, can I ask, what brings you wonder right now? Like, as you, can... Yeah. Uh, right you-
0: now, earlier this morning, time zones were giving me a sense of wonder—not <laughs> necessarily in a good way—but I was—I had a, a guest on the show yesterday, who tweeted after our interview. I've just done an interview with a podcast in New Zealand, and it's already tomorrow there. And she she said that's amazing, and and um that to me fills me with a sense of wonder. Right,
1: right, yeah. okay. So the that the mystery. And the immensity of our planet, and how we can connect with one another, I, I think one way to bring some wonder about in our lives is go outside at dark, in the middle of the night, set your alarm, and wander outside and look up. And um, I think we we move our bodies into places of wonder. Um, I have a friend um, who loves to take the They just got a new camera on their phone, new phone, and the camera is spectacular. So they're taking all these micro photographs of lots of things. And then at the end of the day, they kind of scrolled, you know, they're like walking to work and oh, oh, look at this and get down on the ground, take a little micro photograph. Then at the evening, kind of um, looking through those photos. I think also notice your curiosity. So what is closely connected to wonder is curiosity what are you curious about? And can you sort of like a child uh, in, in, in the inquiry method and follow your curiosity, make some time in your life for what truly captivates your wonder?
0: Mm. Yes, indeed. You write also about playfulness. I mean, is God Is God playful, do you think? Does it does he play with monsters for example
1: <laughs> well clearly the Psalms tell us that he plays with a Leviathan in the mm. deep and um, it takes an enormous amount of um well to use a word from our Jewish forebears hutzpah to play with a with a Leviathan and um, yes I think I think we, there's ample evidence in scripture of God playing and Jesus was certainly very playful so many ways. <laughs>
0: Yes, I mean, I always find it interesting when God turns up to speak to Job that uh, he talks to him about animals and about creation, and he's clearly absolutely delighting in his creation. Mm. He's been playing with the Leviathan, and hey, look at what I've made, he says to Job. I'm not sure it's what Job wants to hear, but um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's, that's the answer he gets, such answer as it is. How do we all lose our sense of childlike wonder as we get older? What happens to us? Why do we lose that?
1: Yeah, I, everyone has their reasons, I, I think. I think primarily we become wounded and we don't know what to do with our woundedness. So, you know, do we hold on to this woundedness? Do we let this woundedness create some hardened categories and kind of petrify us in places? So I think that's, that's one of it. The other is, you know, society falsely tells us, you know, you, adults do this. So we find ourselves pressed into particular categories that maybe just aren't helpful.
0: Mm. In what ways, do, oh, before I ask the next question, Rito, you, time for you to have a question.
2: I think, um, yeah, that idea of wonder is really important, isn't it? And I think, is it Chesterton that talks about, I think it is. Um, he does. That, that we that we really lose that sense of wonder. You know, we've got this burning ball of fire in the sky that, that gets up every morning and sets every day, you know, kind of, and, <laughs> It gives life to everything, yeah. You know, and as a kid, it's like, wow, look at this thing, you know. And you try and stare at it, and everyone says, like, don't stare at it. You, know, you kind of. But there's this thing that gets up every day that brings life, and you know, there's these rivers that flow with water. If it was a river flowing with wine, you know, or something else, everyone, <laughs> Or money, every, money, you know, <laughs> right. that'd all be
0: swimming. You
2: know, yeah, yeah, we all be running down there with a sense of wonder. But there is these things of water, you know, giving life to everything and full of life themselves that we've just gone, oh, yeah, whatever, it's just a river, you know, it's full Mm. of water, you know, kind of like. Mm. It just becomes so normal, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, and and I want to, sorry, Lacey. Well, I was just going to say, you mentioned Chesterton. You know, he says that that God has the eternal appetite for infancy. We have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. And it's like that, um, that, that, that every morning God wakes up and says to the son, do it again, do it again, like the child who wants us to... Play with them, and they say, "Do it again, do it again." That the that the daisies are not monotonous; mm. instead, they are the eternal appetite for infancy. I just yes, mm. that rings so true.
0: Yes, oh, absolutely. Uh, I wonder in what ways we tend to dismiss. Uh, let's come on and talk about creativity. I wonder in what ways we tend mm. to dismiss imagination, for example, as childish.
1: Mm. Well, I I think I think it it's tied closely into our this um, desire for certainty, which is we struggle with risk. um, We struggle with safety, because we've kind of siloed that early connection we had with God who is safe. So we're looking for things that are certain, that are very have very little risk to it. And if you're looking for certainty and very little risk, your imagination is, you know, on a diet. And you maybe need to plump it up, <laughs> plump it up a little. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, you know, an imagination is, is not against truth. Imagination works with truth. Imagination is just not factual. And may take you know some threads of factual and then spin it into something amazing. And if you think about it, like when Jesus got ready to feed four thousand men, women, children, and nursery workers, there was imagination involved. He had to imagine it, take the truth of the situation, and then he had to set certainty aside, and then and risk that had to be risky, and then lean in heavy and
0: work with the spirit to do this amazing thing. Mm. Uh, someone may be listening to this who works out what they consider to be a fairly dull day job. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Rido, you don't work a dull day job, Lacey, you don't, and I certainly don't. What do you say to someone who just wants to make their work feel a bit more imaginative or a bit more creative, and they're, I don't know, I mean, you know, think of a, a job that they find personally stultifying.
1: Well, I th- I think the first step is always to ask God to join us. So to say, you know, here I am making. I like it. it um, last month was tax time here in the United States, oh, and I would rather chew my own arm <laughs> off than have to do my taxes.
0: <laughs> do you need an accountant? Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, it's terrible. And I, I, my first, my, the first step I do in right after <laughs> is setting a little tray of chocolates and tea um, aside is I say, God, would you join me in this? Is there some way that this could be um, invigorating, playful, imaginative? So I think first is asking God to join with us and bring some of that. And the second is, um, it, you know, play play always involves a little bit of the absurdity. Hmm. So even looking for what is the absurd here, <laughs> uh, it, human life is filled with absurdity if we're if we have the eyes to see. So it's maybe looking for the absurdity.
0: Yes, that brings to mind the Marx brothers. For me, the the, the old Marx brothers movies. Apparently, in real life, as children, they they were absolutely running all over the house, doing all their routines and stuff. And, and uh, they never lost that sense of childlike play, I think. Um, which brings me on to the sense of humour. Does God have a sense of humour?
1: Oh, well, I, I, I think if we, we just look at male-female relations, we can say that God definitely has a sense of humour. Um, yes, I think God does have the sense of humour because um, God doesn't take God's self too seriously. Um, I, I find, and this will be something that one day I will want to have a conversation with God about, but if certain thinking and, you know, in a particular way was so important, why did God give us choice and will and, and like things etched in, you know, the stars and stone very, very clearly? Why have mystery? So I think that God most definitely has a sense of humor is playful and and because humor serves to connect us. So God ultimately, you know, we know that our Trinitarian theology connection is part of the Trinity. They are one and three Mm -hmm. and, and God, I, humor and connection, I think, flows from their interactions, from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Mm. Last question, Lacey, I think. In what way is it every one of us born a mystic?
1: <laughs> well, I think that comes from longing. So we are born mystics because we have that innate connection. Um, John O'Donohue has this wonderful uh, book, I think it's called Sacred Connections, Sacred Echoes. Oh no, no, it's called Eternal Echoes. And he holds belonging and longing together. Do you know this book? In this this beautiful dance, um, the longing that's distance comes from the belonging that we feel, and those two together, like fuel and friction, are the warp and woof of connection. And so I. I I think each of us, we come with this sense of belonging that also leads us to this longing, and that is the heart and soul of Christian mysticism.
0: Mm. Fascinating. Well, Rito, final thoughts, questions, comments?
2: Um, how do you think churches can kind of help both foster children uh, and, but also adults, Yeah, you know, kind mm. of both, both sides of that? I think right churches, question. Often, churches often talk about, Know, there's a desire to have children around, but they don't actually want children to be children. And so it's <laughs> there's this kind of
1: exactly
2: weird disconnect that I find. And so in our church, we try and say to people, and it, it it's often the pressure that, that's put on parents, I think, kind of is unhelpful. But we often say to people, if if kids are noisy, that's okay. You know, kind mm-hmm. of we can as adults, we can cope with that. If they're screaming their heads off. Okay, you know, okay, go outside, that, that's, but we're not going to look around, we're not going to judge anyone, let's just get up. But it's so hard, you know, kind of culturally, all, like every our insides are just going, oh, that child is talking or, you know, kind of making a bit of noise, you know, kind of that's really distracting, you know, kind of. How, how do we, I don't know, how do we do better mm. is basically mm. my question.
1: Well, I think um, there are a couple of ways to do better. One is to have more and more and more integrated spaces. So uh, places where we don't separate children from adults. And, you know, if you're in leadership, one way to, to kind of help um, move everyone in the same direction is to begin, um, you know, in letting people in the, from the teaching port side of things, like helping them to know, actually, Jesus says that this little child is going to help you follow in my footsteps. So they're crying or screaming or wonderment or, or, you know, um, I remember t- receiving communion and one little one um, it just would not leave, like stood up there until they ate like half the loaf of bread. And um, so what, where does our capacity for learning from that child, what did that child just teach all of us about hunger and thirsting for God? Mm. So, so not only are they, are we like breathing through their, you know, our helping mechanisms, because that's what's irritating us in many ways is that, you know, we, we're we all wired with this helping mechanism. So if a kid screams, we're, our nerves are like, and that, that's, you know, just taking some breaths through it. But the other thing is that children lead us in a particular way. They point the way to Christ without even knowing they're doing it. And that's a gift to the body of Christ that is a gift to the body of Christ. So I think one is teaching, making sure that there's integrated spaces. I think the other, and this one is more complex, but it's dealing with our own childhood wounding. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm convinced that this is my second book. My first, my first book for my VP was spiritual conversations with children. And people said, Oh, I, I so want to do this in my church. But I can't get any volunteers. Well, I think the, the reason we can't get volunteers is because when we're with children, how they are rings our childhood wound. Yes. Pokes it and prods it. Mm. So if we're wounded and we, we are trying to run from that, then we do not want to be in their presence.
0: Yes. Very good point. Well, there we are. We could talk, Lacey, for hours about this, but it was a wonderful half hour. Thank you so much. Lacey Finn Borgo, um, the new book from InterVarsity Press uh, is called Faith Like a Child Embracing Our Lives as Children of God. There's lots in it. You'll learn lots from it. It's great. I loved it. Well, there we are. R- R- Ian Reed, Rito from Kings Grace Presbyterian Church, Palmerston, North New Zealand. Thank you to you, too. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge, our wonderful sponsor, who who sponsors this podcast and uh, they take care of things behind the scenes thank you both so
2: much we really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the god story podcast if you want to help us make more great episodes like this one you can head over to our patreon page and become a god story podcast supporter you'll receive our undying gratitude plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support just visit patreon.com slash god story podcast that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.